Hello, and welcome to the fifth episode of Made Possible. My name is Carly Cunningham, and I am thrilled to be the host of this podcast collaboration between Small Business BC and my own business, Big Bold Brand. Today's episode is a story about overcoming obstacles, obstacles that most of us couldn't even imagine. And this is often the case in the stories of immigrant entrepreneurs. In this interview, I'm speaking with the winner of Small Business BC's 2021 Best Immigrant Entrepreneur Award, Sadaf Rahimi, the founder of Charcuterie Vancouver. This award is always a crowd favorite each year at the awards event, as the bravery, tenacity, and stories of these entrepreneurs captures the hearts of the audience. Sadaf's coming to Canada story is incredible. What's more incredible is her more recent COVID story. The pandemic shut down her modest startup in 2020. And now, just over a year later, Sadaf and her team are opening up Canada's first ever bricks and mortar storefront of a charcuterie business. And it's on one of Canada's, well, Vancouver's most premier retail strips. So what are we going to talk about in this episode? Well, we're going to dig into how to start and grow a business on Instagram. We're going to chat about the fact that Sadaf had to consider disguising herself in public because her business has become such a huge success. We're going to talk about what happens in business when you get personal and share your story. The rapid growth of Charcuterie Vancouver and how she's purchased, not rented, the new storefront of her bricks and mortar store in Quetzalano is also a topic and so much more. So let's dive in. This first season of the Made Possible podcast is brought to you thanks to our sponsors, WorkSafe BC. In addition to their important role in workplace health and safety, WorkSafe BC has worked alongside our provincial health officials to support workers and employers across the province during the pandemic. To find out more, or to view WorkSafe BC's comprehensive list of COVID-19 resources, visit WorkSafeBC.com. On today's episode of the Made Possible podcast, our guest is Sadaf Rahimi, founder of Charcuterie Vancouver. She's currently preparing to open her first storefront location in the heart of Kitsilano. Sadaf was the winner of Small Business BC's 2021 Best Immigrant Entrepreneur Award, sponsored by the BDC, and her story starts in in a far-off place beyond the borders of British Columbia. Welcome, Sadaf. Thank you so much, Carly. What an amazing introduction. It's an absolute honor to be here. Thank you. We're so excited to have you today. Um, The immigrant entrepreneur category is one of my personal favorites. The stories that come out of the awards are so inspiring each year, and I know that yours is equally inspiring, and so I'm excited to dig in. Um, We all know that entrepreneurs face a ton of adversity in starting and growing a business. What I know from those stories in the Small Business BC Awards is, and hearing them for many years is that Our immigrant entrepreneurs have had to endure and overcome incredible challenges just to get to Canada to start their business. And your journey hasn't been anything but a straight line. And I know that your family experienced a lot of struggle in getting to Canada from Afghanistan to Canada. Will you share a bit of that story with us today? So yes, absolutely. My family left Afghanistan in 1995, which was just around the time I was born. So I was a little baby. They needed to escape the war. It was just me and my older brother at the time who was two years old. And so they 
flew to Pakistan where they got uh, their new passports and got on a train and got to Russia. Uh, in Russia, we were supposed to be there for three months and our final destination was supposed to be Germany just three months after that. Things didn't go as planned and uh, we ended up being stuck in Russia for just almost a decade. It was nine years. And um, throughout the nine years, we had a very hard life. Um, my dad was going from job to job. My mom was making food for my dad to sell in different stores and around the neighborhood just to make a living. And uh, finally, we uh, tried to immigrate to the USA. That didn't work out. And then in uh, 2003, we got accepted to Canada and finally got into a flight and flew to Canada. I was almost nine years old and it was definitely a moment I'll never forget in my entire life. The relief in my parents' face was just I can't even explain. Mm -hmm. And I can only imagine as children, you must have felt that relief on so many levels. Do you remember what you were most excited about as a child coming to Canada? Was was there something that stood out for you that you were excited? Was it to go to school? Was it to simply be safe? What was that? I think the biggest thing that we faced in Russia, living there without passports and just being different was a lot of racism growing up. So that was really hard to deal with as a young um, girl. So that was one thing I was excited about. My mom and dad always talked about how safe Canada was, how it was this super big country that was like such a dream to be at. And it just seemed so far away at the time and impossible to get to. So I was really excited to tell all my friends and my teachers that I was finally getting to go to this really cool country. So that was mainly what I was excited about. I was really sad about leaving all my friends behind, but also excited about making new ones and especially learning the language. I remember getting a little dictionary uh, when I was in Russia. It was translations from Russian to English, and I was just reading that all the time to learn some new words. And I remember the first word I ever learned randomly was hedgehog. I just love that word. I don't know why. <laughs> It's a good word. It's a good <laughs> word. Mm -hmm. so, Had you so have ended up in England, you would have known what a hedgehog was and probably been able to possibly pick up some wild ones. I know that my mom grew up in England for a period of time and they had hedgehogs in the backyard. So I've heard lots of stories about hedgehogs. Oh, I want to pull on a thread there. Um, mm -hmm. Because of my own fascination with um, fictional history uh, or historical fiction, depending on how you say it, I know that the immigrant journey is very complex, but I know that people don't often know what it means and don't even know that your passport can be taken away by a country that you enter into. And I myself was even surprised to hear you say we got stuck in Russia and we didn't have our passports. Do you remember what happened in that process? And, you know, it's one of those challenges that you have no control over. What happened with that? Yeah. So, um, my, f my mom and dad, um, I guess they were working with the immigration council in, uh, Russia for immigrating us to, um, Germany. And I think, I don't know exactly what happened because this was just, un I was under one years old and they lost their passports. So they really had no identity at the time. So that's kind of what we were waiting for. And, so at the time we were basically there illegally for the whole entire nine years. So it was really hard to, you know, get identity, get our passports going, um, ID and all that stuff. And by the time we got that, that's when we started applying to immigrate 
to, you know, Germany, USA and Canada. And it was a long nine years for us to finally get to that stage and immigrate to Canada legally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody moves to places with the best intentions because they think it's a safe place and things happen. Mm-hmm. And so thank you for sharing that with us. And I, and I illustrate that simply because, you know, you can think, oh, my dad was, people could think your dad was an entrepreneur. You were going through the immigration process. You bounced from Russia to Germany to Canada. And it's not, it's just simply not that easy. It's Mm -hmm. about almost adopting an entrepreneurial mindset for the journey itself. Mm -hmm. And so you did tell us that your mom was cooking food for your dad to sell locally. My question is, has entrepreneurship always run through your family or was it something that the immigration process taught your parents simply to survive, to make it here? Mm-hmm. Um, from what I know, my dad's family in Afghanistan had a business. They had a business of Afghan rugs. So my dad kind of grew up in that environment. Um, my mom's brother and dad also had a business while she was growing up. So both of my parents kind of had that entrepreneurial mindset, especially my mom. I think to this day, she hates working for other people. And she really loves to say that all the time. Um, so she was really excited when <laughs> I finally started a business and she didn't have to work anymore. <laughs> She just works with me now. Um, But, you know, my mom has always been like that, you know, start a business. You'll never be successful working for someone else. That's kind of always been her mindset. As soon as we moved to Canada, my dad started uh, his painting company. And this was when we just got here. So he barely spoke the language. And, you know, thinking back, I think I was yeah about nine years old at the time. I can't even imagine what he went through to get, you know, the licensing, getting his taxes done. And I remember seeing, I actually still have his uh, visa in my wallet and it's his business visa. And I can't even begin to imagine, you know, how my dad went to the bank and was like, I need a business account. Like even for me, that's hard of like, okay, what do I do? I got to go incorporate my business. I got to go to the bank, make a business account. I got to hire an accountant to do my taxes. Like even for me, someone now that's grown up here my whole life, it's still hard to get around to and finally realize and get put everything together to start a business. So looking back, I can't even, I mean, he was quite young. He was in his early thirties, I guess, when they first moved here, um, which is not much older than I am now. So, I mean, that's pretty impressive for someone that was very new and didn't know the language much. So it sounds like your dad's visa is a touchstone for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to me about when you open up your wallet, and you look at it or you touch it, what happens for you? And I ask that because I actually have a touchstone on my desk, which is a Ukrainian paisanka, which is mm-hmm. a painted Easter egg. And I keep it there because my grandparents came to this country from through the process of their life, similar to yours, bouncing to different countries uh, from the Ukraine. And I know that they came here with only a few hundred dollars in their pocket, and they turned that into a life for themselves. So I'm curious as to what that touchstone does and means and feels for you? Mm -hmm. For me, um, I mean, I'm really lucky for my parents, like being from Afghanistan, the typical mindset is for your son or daughter to, you know, go to university, finish school, become either a doctor, engineer, lawyer, something that you can be proud of your kids for and tell all your parents, all all your friends about. And with my dad, especially, Um, It wasn't like that. He was always like, you know, follow your dreams, follow your passion, do what you want, 
do what makes you happy. So for me, every time I look at that, I remember that's what my dad wanted me to do. I actually didn't even finish finish my degree in university because it's not what I wanted to do. You know, I suddenly I'm like, I was in school for nursing. I'm like, this is not what I want to do anymore. Um, I want to start a business. I want to do something in the business industry. And so I switched majors, didn't even complete it before I got a job in business. And now I run a business. But um, looking back and just knowing that my dad would have been 100% supportive, knowing what he went through um, just motivates me and inspires me to really work hard and really has brought me to where I am now. So there's a pause in the middle of your story there. And I'm going to open that up because that's going to lead us to the rest of this podcast interview. Why did you start a charcuterie business or how did that happen? So, okay. So first, a few years ago, I used to be one of the jobs that I had at Microsoft was event and community management. So one of the things that I used to do was host business events, uh, business networking events and things like that. So I was in charge of, you know, getting the food together. And it was so hard to find a vendor in Vancouver to just go online, order something and have it delivered for your events. Our events were like seven, eight in the morning. It was really hard. The only thing that I had access to at the time was Save On Foods platters. And so a lot of the times I would literally just go to Costco or Save On or Superstore and just make my own platters, you know, in the morning, just make my own and put it out. And, you know, that's kind of when I realized that there was that gap in the market. There was nobody putting together like graze boards and charcuterie boards in Vancouver. And obviously it was something that I absolutely loved. Like cheese is my whole life. <laughs> could never give that up. And, you know, I one day sat down with my mom and I'm like, Hey, I'm planning on doing a business, like a charcuterie business. She had no idea what that was or how to pronounce it. And so I had to explain it to her. And she was really excited that it did not include any cooking because as I mentioned, she did a lot of that in Russia and she hated it. So she was like, Oh, that sounds easy. Yeah, I'm down to do that. <laughs> and so I, you know, and next thing you know, I bought a domain. I was like, I went and I Googled charcuterie Vancouver. I was like, Oh wow, this doesn't exist, which was so shocking to me because it's such a, you know, common name charcuterie in Vancouver. And so I bought the domain, bought the email when I literally went to Costco with my brother and I spent like four or $500 on cheese and meat and bread and crackers. And I made so many boards that my family was tired of meat and cheese. And I just took photos and photos and photos. And it got to a point where I would like call my brother and his fiance to come over and my cousin to come over. Like, I made this platter, but it was just for a photo. Can you come eat it? Oh, they were more than happy to do that. So, um, you know, next thing you know, I made an Instagram page and um, started taking it to work, which is really what helped. And uh, my coworkers started buying it, friends and family. And it just really took off from there. <laughs> I love the nuance of that, that turn. First of all, I love that you test and measured with your family. And to speak to your photos, I have seen photos of your boards and they are beautiful. So I encourage everybody that's listening to go check them out. And um, I dare you to go check them out and then not order something because they are just that scrumptious looking. Um, <laughs> but what I love the nuance in that is that you were trying, you, you had noticed a hole in the market, which was trying to solve your own problem in the position that you were in at Microsoft, but where it evolved to on its own was 
individuals ordering. And I think that's a really neat and unique nuance of the business. Am, am I on point here? Yeah, absolutely. To be honest, that's not really what I intended it to be at the beginning. I didn't even intend to really have a store, especially where it is right now. Um, you know, it was just to have boards, tables, you know, grace for corporate events, weddings, lunches, anniversaries, and things like that. And, um, you know, one day there was uh, someone that emailed me and she, I asked her how she found me and she said, I literally just Googled charcuterie in Vancouver and here was the first page that came up. I'm like, oh, okay. And she was like, it was a nonprofit event, a nonprofit company called Music Heals. And she asked for a board to be donated. Uh, and I asked her how many people there were and she said a hundred. I'm like, okay, well, a board is not going to feed a hundred people. So how about I donate a whole 12 foot table? And, um, at the time she, I hadn't had any photos of a table. So it was a great opportunity for me. It was nonprofit. So it was really a win-win situation. Um, and, uh, I actually fell down the stairs at home and tore my knee ligaments (laughs) And I ended up being on bed rest for like six weeks. So I actually ended up going to that event on crutches with my 14-year-old brother. Um, and then after that, it that was in Kitsilano. So that's kind of where, you know, the idea of the store opening in Kitsilano comes from. Going to that event, doing my first table, especially on crutches, is definitely a memory I'll never forget. And what I didn't know was that event was going to have over a hundred executives, business owners, and entrepreneurs. So what happened following that event was right before Christmas. Suddenly I have so many orders for everyone's clients, um, you know, customers, their employees and things like that. Everything was kind of concentrated in the Kitsilano area. So I knew it was because of that event. And so Kitsilano has kind of had my heart ever since that event. It was um, December, 2019. Which was kind of the there is thing. so there is so much in that story that I love. Um, what's clear to me is you're very good at taking a challenge or a problem or even an opportunity and just blowing it wide open to create another opportunity for yourself. You know, seeing the vision of well, I don't have a picture of a table, so if I donate one, I get a picture of a table. They are happy and their people and their clients or their people they're entertaining are happy. So I love that you fell down the stairs. So in comes your brother willingly or not willingly. And he's helping. I imagine he's helping you set up, but I do remember reading in my research that there was a point over the Christmas season where you worked, was it 48 hours or 50 something, um, some crazy amount of hours straight to deliver. Is that where that ties into that story? Uh, I think that was actually, yeah, that was one of the news articles. That was actually this Mother's Day. We lost a couple uh, employees in the kitchen and a couple drivers. So I remember I worked, I think it was from Thursday night straight to Sunday night without any sleep. Like I was at the kitchen. I think I went home for like an hour one night just to print some things. And I went right back there. You must have been hallucinating radish flowers by the time you were done that. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was it was the most obviously I've ever worked in my whole life. Typically, you work forty hours in a span of a week, and I was doing like fifty hours in a span of three or four days. So it was insane. And you're still smiling. So following <laughs> your dad's advice. Follow your so passion. following your dad's advice. Follow your passion, right? Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. 
Can you remember any other lessons that you've learned from your dad? Or I'm going to say your mom, because I now have found out through this interview that she is an entrepreneur herself. Um, what lessons have you learned from them and their journey as entrepreneurs that you apply in your business that might be different than other businesses? Or you're like, absolutely, this works like a charm. Mm-hmm. I think my mom and my dad, the one thing that they showed us their whole life was that hard work and effort can really go a long way. You know, you don't have to be talented in a certain thing. You don't have to have money as long as you have a work ethic and you have passion and that you can really get to anywhere. You know, being in Afghanistan and people now, it's literally impossible to get to Canada. And, you know, a lot of people, it's still impossible to them, but my parents did it and they got out of there and they were in their, I think it was their late twenties that they did that. So you know, showing me that they could do that really tells me that you could do anything that you really put your mind to. Yeah, without question. So now you're getting ready to open your first storefront, which is really interesting because you said, I never imagined having a storefront. Most people who are launching a food business would want to start with a storefront. And it seems like you, you've done this intentionally or not intentionally in the reverse. Mm-hmm. And so you've built a successful product, food product, in a digital world, essentially, because your business was 2018, 2019 start. 2019, yeah. So talk us through some of the things you've done to create a business that's successful digitally and makes it easy to sell your products and grow a following. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning, when I started the business, I think the idea of charcuterie just became like a huge trend. People loved, you know, the different colors that I was putting in there and, you know, the fruit and cheese and meat. And I think charcuterie on its own has been around for decades and people love you know the cured meat and who doesn't love cheese it's just been such a big thing and it'll never go away that's something that people will love forever um so having that and really taking aesthetic photos really helped my instagram in the beginning and you know uh, about a year ago is when i introduced myself uh, on instagram before that uh, my face wasn't anywhere i was never talking my stories or anything like that it was just here's a charcuterie board, you know, like it, comment on it, buy it, whatever it was. Um, but now it's, you know, my name is Sadaf. I sell charcuterie boards. This is who you buy it from. I'm always talking on my stories. There's dozens of photos of me on my grid. And uh, I think that truly has helped me become successful and different than all the other charcuterie companies, not just in Vancouver, but Canada and around the world is because at this point people are buying it because of me instead of just the product. There's so many customers that are like, I love you. I love that you uh, are so transparent and share everything. Can't wait to support you or customers that have already bought in. They're like, Oh, I bought it because of you, because how much you share and how much work that you put in it. So for me, I've learned to share almost everything on Instagram, all the behind the scenes, you know, the good and the bad, you know, it's not, just me smiling in front of my storefront. And that's kind of just what happened. It's so much went through that. There were so many tears. There were so many sleepless nights. And, you know, I've shared that on Instagram. I'm like, Hey guys, I literally haven't slept for this whole weekend. This is why there was a day where I, um, I got my store and about a month later, I'm like going crazy because it was after uh, small business BC announced my, um, award and it was all these articles posting us and all the news channels having us on their channels so our phone lines were 
blowing up. And at the time I lost a couple of employees and drivers. So it was like, there was a one point in the last month that it was completely just me. Um, I was doing everything and I just broke down one day and I was crying my eyes out, just sitting in my store. I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. And I remember I just took a photo of me with my tears and I put a long caption. I'm like, guys, you know, it's not all glamorous, the entrepreneurial life. It's not just fancy charcuterie boards and money. And that's it. There's so much that goes behind this. There's so many tears and hard work. And I think I had two, two or 300 people reply to that story alone being like, I love that you share this. I love that you share the raw you and what really goes on. So I think for me, specifically it's really the brand that I've created within myself in charcuterie Vancouver that's really helped me succeed and um, you know there's so much more charcuterie companies in, in Vancouver and to be honest I'm friends with all of them they always ask me hey sit out where do you find this where can I get this I love this and I'm always telling them I'm sharing them there's been companies that run out of boxes and they have a corporate event the next day and I'm like hey I have like hundreds so just come and get mine you don't have to wait for your shipment. So I think that's also been a huge factor for me is just really playing in the community and creating that community for myself and all my peers. That's a really important point. When we're in, when we're learning about business, often in business school or in, you know, intensives that we take, there really is that position that, that your competition is, is on the other side of the fence or they're across the net from you. What I have learned and what you're sharing with us is that it's a really good thing to create strategic relationships with your competitors. Absolutely. I totally agree. You know, there are times where maybe I'm fully sold out and a customer really wants a board or there's a huge event and I probably couldn't do it with my team. So I literally have reached out to other charcuterie companies in the city and I'm like, hey, I don't deliver that far. Can you please fulfill this order for my client? Hey, I'm sold out this day. Can you still make a board or... I don't have enough people on this day. Do you want to go to this event with me and make a table? So it really ends up working for me and works for them as well. That's a real abundance mindset. Thank and you. the term that I that I love someone shifted for me when I was sitting down having a conversation with somebody who most people would perceive as my competition a long time ago, he was inviting me to a conference. Um, that he said, listen, I could have, this is, this is my community. And most would think, what are you doing, Mike? Are you crazy? You're introducing Carly and telling her to come to this. She's your competition for all intensive purposes. And he goes, I don't look at it that way. He says, I see it as coopetition. Mm -hmm. We cooperate together to build a market, to serve our market. And it sounds like that's exactly what you've done. Thank you. Thank you. And you know, another thing about competition is people, ask okay well people and especially something like charcuterie is so easy to copy and for me what when I think about that when you see so much competition you know popping up you know that's for you to look and be like okay I'm doing something right you know there's clearly a market here if there's all these other charcuterie companies and they're successful you know it's gotten to a point where I don't have to cold call corporate clients and explain to them what we do and what charcuterie is you know, we don't have to do that at all. It's people always calling us now. Like, I have a wedding. Can I get a charcuterie board? Can I get a charcuterie table? Can I get charcuterie cones? This and that. It's like every day we get dozens of people asking us. Whereas when we first started, everyone's like, what do you do? What does that mean? You know, what is a charcuterie? Charcuterie what? Like even the pronunciation. And now it's like so big. Everyone knows what it is. So in that and people copying you and 
everybody's getting ideas from everybody, it can make for a homogenous market. You know, everybody has the same thing. When your customers ask you, what makes Charcuterie Vancouver different and unique? What do you tell them? Or what is your strategy? Um, I think this goes back to just me speaking about, you know, really selling the brand instead of just the boards. Um, So I honestly don't really have any customers that say, you know, why should I buy from you versus someone else? I think it's the quality of the boards, the brand, just having a website and a seamless experience. Um, You know, the face of the brand, having a storefront. We're the first charcuterie storefront in all of Canada that makes, you know, graze boxes, charcuterie boxes, brunch boxes and all that stuff. So um, it's really the brand that we've created and worked hard for in the last couple of years that really helps us stand out compared to everyone else. I will circle back to the storefront because I know this is a huge piece <laughs> of the puzzle for you or a maybe unexpected piece of the puzzle for you. Mm-hmm. But because we're on the topic of community and that is the theme of this first season, can you share some specific actionable advice for our listeners about how to build community, a loyal following to support your business? Mm-hmm. I think the biggest advice I have is to really start on Instagram and be consistent. You have, especially when you're starting, you have to post at least once a day. You have to, you know, include all the hashtags that are popular currently and make sure they're local hashtags because when you have a local business, that's kind of what you want to focus on, right? You you don't want to just give your box or whatever your business is to an influencer that has a global following. That's really not going to help you. Um, if you want to work with influence, influencers, I think that's also really important, especially if you have a food business to work with the food influencers in Vancouver. I was really lucky. I, one of my best friends, she has a food blog and she's had it for 10 years and she started helping me from the very beginning and still does to this day. So that has tremendously helped our business and really building your brand is so important to me. Make sure you introduce yourself to all of your followers on Instagram Um, you know, talk on there, get to know people, engage, comment on their uh, photos, uh, comment on their stories, reply to all of your comments um, and things like that. I think that alone really um, helps people see the authentic person behind the brand because there's so much fake people on Instagram, I guess I could say. And just, it's basically a world of just, yeah. So Instagram's just become so filtered and overproduced that when someone sees a brand that's authentic, that's who they want to support and who they want to follow. So you're getting ready to open your storefront. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about what that journey's looked like for you. Making the decision, finding the location, getting in and renovating the space. I mean, there's so many steps in this that I can't even imagine. Talk to us about some of the surprises, good and bad, that have come up along the journey of getting to doors opening. Mm-hmm. So when, as I was saying, when I first started, this was just boards and grazing tables. And then in March, we completely shut down for what we thought was going to be two weeks, turned out to be two months. So in May, um, it actually is when I got laid off my job. So I really had time to think and work on the business. And I decided to make individual boxes and different size charcuterie boxes with things like happy birthday signs, happy anniversary and things like that. And that's really what became this just blew up, I guess, in Vancouver over the summer. People were picking up boxes for picnics. There was just not a lot to do. Uh, So this idea just became a huge trend here. 
And by December, we were doing virtual events for everyone for their corporate events and things like that. And we did thousands of boxes just in the month of December. And that's kind of when I was like, okay, if I open a store, like if I'm doing this, working out of this private little commercial kitchen and so many people know the brand already, I can't imagine what I could be doing if I had a storefront. So for me, the idea of opening a storefront was honestly just for marketing purposes. It's like, if I have a store, everyone's going to know the name, especially in a community like Kitsilano has such a tight community. Everybody kind of knows all the restaurants and stores and shops that are in that area. You know, I grew up in Burnaby and Surrey my whole life and I knew everything that was in Kitsilano. I was so far from it. So I can't even imagine if someone's in Vancouver and living in Kitsilano, they literally know every single store down West 4th Avenue. So that was the idea for me. And uh, I was debating between Kitsilano and Yelltown because those were kind of my favorite two communities in uh, all of Vancouver. And uh, I was looking for stores everywhere. Yelltown and Robson Street were too, but they were so expensive. Um, Yelltown was a little okay, but there was like no spaces and I just couldn't wait anymore. So I, I looked at a bunch of places in Kitsilano and then I found this one. It took a really, really long time to finally find the one that I liked. And even this one just needed so much renovation and so much work. Um, but it was in a perfect spot, perfect location. I just loved it. Just really took my whole heart. And so we had a realtor. I had to hire a lawyer, a, a CPA, all that stuff to really finalize everything. I had to put all my money together. Um, I'm really lucky and grateful that I didn't have to take a single loan throughout this entire journey. Um, even for the store, um, I literally just used the profits from the business to put together and purchase the store as an asset purchase. Um, so yeah, no, nothing, not, none of the, uh, help that, um, we had from Canada during the pandemic. I'm really lucky that I didn't have to do that. So zero debt for charcuterie of Vancouver right now. And so I finally found the store. It was an asset purchase. Uh, signed off in, uh, in March, and then I officially got the keys April 15th. Um, it was a long journey, and I remember just breaking down when I finally got the keys. And I'm like, okay, well, here's the next step now. You know, renovations, hiring contractors, changing the floors, the lighting. Um, I bought what was a coffee shop beforehand, and it turned out, you know, the fridge was broken and the dishwasher was broken. Um, the bathroom needed to be renovated. So not only did I pay for this to take over the space, now I have to pay so much more to get it all renovated. Uh, so it's, you know, we're still on that uh, journey right now, getting things done. And then, you know, permits with the cities that takes months in the health department. Um, if you need to do any re renovations, you need permits for that. So it's, it's definitely a long, long process. It's not easy. It's not for everyone. You really have to want to do this um, to do it. So that's kind of been the process, but it's been worth it. So I just, I just want to take a minute here mm -hmm. because you have built a business and I found a quote at the pandemic where you said something along the lines of, this is it. I think my business is done and we're not going to carry forward. Fast forward. And here you are buying an asset which is a retail space with cash profits from the business. Have you really taken the time to celebrate that? 
<laughs> Honestly, no. I haven't probably celebrated any of this in the last few months. Uh, and I, I'm just waiting for the restrictions to be lifted to finally just throw a big party and celebrate everything together. You know, the moment we announced... Please do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the moment we announced our store, it just completely blew my mind because there was hundreds of comments on Instagram. I was getting calls from the media left and right. And then coincidentally, the following week was when Small Business BC announced the award. So you know, Global News came to our store, did an interview. I did a full seven-minute segment with um, CBC News. And then I just did a, another one, uh, a podcast with Global News last week. Um, you know, Daily Hive posted us, The Province, Vancouver Sun, Vancouver is awesome. You know, I can go on and on, like pretty much every single article and news outlet. Okay, let's hit the pause button for a second. You are incredible at getting media. Give us some tips for how to get media. Honestly, I didn't do anything to get any of those media interviews. They just, I think, were wowed by the idea of a charcuterie store in Vancouver. It's the very first one. Everybody kind of wanted to be the first one that posted about it. I think the very first one was Daily Hive that Monday morning. It's honestly been a dream of mine to be on the Daily Hive. I think back when it was called Vancity Buzz, like over a decade ago, I was a teenager following this page on Facebook and never in my entire life would I have imagined that I would have had an entire article with my face on it and my business um, on there, like just exclusively us. And it costs so much money to be on these articles. So for me to wake up on Monday morning, and my friend sending me a link, I had no idea. It was absolutely unreal. I mean, I wish I could tell you what I did to get these, you know, um, media companies to reach out to us and publish everything at no cost, but I, I really don't. Uh, there's so many businesses that have been able to do this. And I, and I think it's just the idea that interested uh, the writers and the owners um, and the news reporters to come to us and ask for interviews, but I personally didn't do anything to get them in. <laughs> okay. I'm going to disagree with you and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to put myself on the spot okay. and synthesize what I'm hearing. Cause I'm hearing some common themes with our interviewees. Um, and you can say yes or no, you can tell me I'm way off base and I've lost the plot. But one thing I'm hearing that has gotten you to where you want to be, which has created media buzz whether you knew it or not, you set an intention at some point along the way. You said, when I was a teenager, I used to read Van City Buzz, right? And I mm -hmm. wanted to be on it. And then you just let it go. And look what happened. And I've heard that time and time again from uh, business owners and from our interviewees. So setting the intention is one thing. On point? Yes. Okay, um. she's nodding. <laughs> Second thought is that You've taken something that people love, baseline mm -hmm. cheese, <laughs> then charcuterie boards, and you've innovated on it in such a way that you've now created boards that celebrate a birthday. You've created boards where you could have happy anniversary. And I've seen your boards. It's not just written on the box and here's another meat platter, right? It's you've found creative ways to dress up the boards, if you will. Am mm -hmm. I on point? Absolutely. And the third one, you said it yourself, so I'm going to steal it back from you, is hard work. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, thanks for pointing that out. I think that's that's a great point. It's not something I, I realized. Uh, but yeah, I guess over time, just the brand hard work 
And the intention, you're totally right there. And a word you keep saying is brand. I'd Mm -hmm. love to dig into that, even though I'm off script on the questions that I sent you to prepare Mm -hmm. for. So often brand is a whole piece of the work that I do. It's a whole piece of my business. And so often I spend time explaining what brand exactly is. And the way I approach it is a brilliant equation that says that brand is effectively an output, just like profit. If you do these things, you will build a brand. And the Mm -hmm. two things on the other side of the equal sign is reputation times exposure equals brand. Mm -hmm. Talk about how that shows up in your business and how you've intentionally built your reputation. Clearly you're great, great at getting media exposure, but talk about that in the context of how you do it for your business. Because so often I still run into business owners who are like, oh, my brand is my logo and my colors. When really your brand is everything that you do. Yeah. Well, number one, your brand is definitely not just your (laughs) logo and your colors. Um, I think the brand is really the person behind it and it's you and it's how you put out your product And, you know, for me, it's, you know, the aesthetic, making sure everything's perfect. It's customer service, you know, making sure everyone's happy. You know, I've had a couple unhappy clients in the last year. It's okay. What steps am I going to take to make sure that this doesn't happen again? What steps am I going to take to reach out to the customer and see how we could make it right? You know, that in the end of the day makes your reputation better because you don't want customers going out and talking bad about your brand because of one experience that happened by accident, uh, something just didn't go right that one day, you know, over two years, because one thing could really ruin your brand. So for me, you know, customer, you know, didn't like a box for a certain reason. It's okay. Let me send you a new one. Let me also send you a gift card and let me give you a refund. You know, that has happened probably three times and it's blown their mind. They're like, wow, no one's ever done this before they just they're like okay sorry that happened move on um so that's one important thing about your brand um and obviously you you want to be professional you want to be there you want to have your face there as well you want people to know who is behind this brand you don't want to just see a logo and a charcuterie board and some colors right like who is making my charcuterie who started this company what is their plan what is their vision That's Mm -hmm. what people want to know. And that, in the end, is what really the brand is all about, is the person behind it and how they want to operate the business and what their vision is. And whether that aligns with yours or not is how you end up supporting that business. Like for me, if I'm on Instagram and I follow businesses, I'm not going to buy something from a page that only just tries to sell me products and that's all they post. But I'm going to follow and support and buy from the business that consistently engages with their audience, cares about what their audience wants and, you know, just is authentic. Pulling on that authentic thread is one of the things that I teach our clients is it's really important to get clear on your, be it you as a solo owner, or say if you have a partnership or there's a few partners involved, your collective or your individual, if you're one owner, fundamental beliefs and truths. And you said it. What do I believe? Why did I start this business? What is my vision for the business? What are the values on which I'm building this business? It's very clear that your values are transparency, quality of product, integrity, and creativity. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you. (laughs) 
It's all you. It really <laughs> is all you. And I love that through this, you the whole business seemed to accelerate and just take off when you stepped in front of that camera. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> so talking about fundamental beliefs and truths, let's dig into that a little further, because I know that culture and heritage can be an important part of how entrepreneurs show up in their business, how they do their business, and how they build their business. And I know that for me, having had immigrant parent grandparents, it certainly has influenced my business and how I go about my business. So I'm curious, are there any aspects of your culture and your heritage that influence how you've built your business? I think the biggest thing with that is growing up from where I'm from, which is Afghanistan, everyone's very giving and very generous. Um, and in business, it's really important to be giving and generous, not too much. Um, but you know, you kind of find your balance and that's really what's helped me. Like I mentioned in the beginning, donating that table, which ended up really helping me in the long run, which is probably the main reason why I even have a storefront in Kitsilano. It's that one action. And it's, you know, people, customers that maybe I had a customer that didn't like a board. It's giving them a gift card, giving them a refund, um, sending them another box. You know, a lot of people don't do that because that completely comes out of your pocket in the end of the day. But, you know, growing up with a family that's from Afghanistan, that's kind of all it's about is, oh, let me pay for dinner. Let me take this. Let me take you guys out, whether it's their friends, their family, whatever it is. So that's really kind of what's helped me be generous and be giving. You know, um, someone reached out to me a few uh, weeks ago saying, hey, they, this charcuterie company is like, hey, sit up. I've noticed that you've almost donated to every company that's asked. And why do you do that? And how do you do that? Has it helped you? And to be honest, for me, it's like just a no brainer. When someone asks, I'm like, absolutely. What is it for an auction, an event? When would you like to pick it up? Even if it gives me zero ROI, I think just for me, just making someone else happy just absolutely makes me happy. I do so many giveaways on Instagram and, you know, a lot of them don't help me in any way. There's no ROI in them, but you know, people love it. People are engaged. They have fun. We're doing these um, scavenger hunts and every Sunday we pretty much hide a box somewhere in a park. And oh my gosh, just the engagement on that has been absolutely insane. Um, basically, I made these tiny little boxes and I go around to like a beach or a park for what people vote, what city to go to. And I hide it and whoever finds it gets a $50 gift card. Um, so I go to a different city every week. And last year, last week I went to Surrey and there was dozens of people messaging me being like, there are people waiting here, refreshing their phones. And I got so scared that I almost disguised myself uh, so that people <laughs> would see me <laughs> going to hide the box. And I get there and I hit it and I see people just on their phones. It was in Surrey. It was at Bear Creek Park, just refreshing their feed, waiting for my story to see where this box was hidden. And I was just absolutely mind blown by how many people came out to do these scavenger hunts. And every single time that I've hid one of those boxes, it was found in less than five minutes. That and is so brilliant. What a brilliant marketing tactic that is so fun and so engaging. Mm -hmm. And I love that I love that you've tested this for one of my clients. I've wanted them to do an Easter egg hunt or something yeah. like that. So mm -hmm. I love that you've tested it and measured it and said, yes, absolutely. It works. Um, mm -hmm. So much fun because it engages beyond the platform. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So that that's kind of, I think, what comes from my parents' upbringing is just their generosity and how much they give. And, you know, the one advice I always tell, especially entrepreneurs, is you have to give and spend money to make money. Like if you're going to yeah. be super hard with it, you're just never going to make money. And I also know that one of the ways that you give back is working with immigrant groups and organizations to provide training and inspiration and resources. Tell us a little bit about this vein of giving back. Yes, absolutely. I think giving back's always kind of been in my blood for a long time. Even when I used to work at Microsoft, I was a community development specialist. So that was my role um, is just working with different nonprofits across BC and Canada um, so when I got into this business, that was the first thing I looked at was partnering with different nonprofit organizations, um, you know, helping them promote um, their events, helping them donate, whether it's catering food or whatnot, or getting on a call and talking to their audience uh, about starting a business or getting a job. I've done like LinkedIn workshops in the past uh, couple of years for free with uh, a few immigration groups. One of the big ones is ISS of BC that I've worked with for many, many years uh, in, in the past. And now with Charcuterie Vancouver, it's a great resource for any immigrant that comes to Canada um, or sorry, to BC to get knowledge, uh, to uh, find employment, a career, uh, and especially to learn how to start a business. So you know, I'm always more than happy to jump on a, on a call with them or one of their Zoom events to share my story and the exact steps of starting a business, uh, you know, from licensing to food health department, getting a place, commercial kitchen, a store, um, and sharing that experience with them. So just to pull those out so people can hear them in case they grabbed a pen and didn't catch them. And I know what we'll put them in the show notes as well. You said mm-hmm. ISS of BC. Mm-hmm. Who yeah, I've worked I've, with as well, and they're a phenomenal organization. Yes, and then and there's Employment see. Council of BC. Yeah, and then there's a page on Instagram specifically for Afghans, and it's called uh, VABC Vancouver Afghan Businesses. Yeah, Vancouver Afghan Businesses that just you know promote other Afghan businesses and just give a lot of uh, education for starting your own business and a lots of behind the scenes. So that's a really good uh, page as well. So let's talk about the awards competition. I love that Small Business VC was not on your radar until you got nominated. And so congratulations yet again. It's very clear to me why you've won 2021's Best Immigrant Entrepreneur Award. So again, congratulations. Thank you so much, Carly. Thank you. So we have a surprise for you today. Okay. Hi, Sadaf. This is Ruzbe. I am uh, so glad that I got the chance to actually send this message to you. I wanted to tell you that I'm so proud of you. There are so many times that I find myself watching you and I feel my heart is bursting with pride. Uh, You're doing something you love, which is absolutely inspiring. Um, And I always have told you this before, and I want to tell you this again. Um, it's so great that you're doing something you love. It's uh, very much inspiring. And it's amazing that you do refuse to let anything to stop you. Um, there's been so many objections uh, on your way through this whole journey and the way you overcome everything, the way you handle everything and you show them who's the boss. So that has been amazing. And you are amazing too. So I wanted to tell you that Again and again, uh, I'm 
myself very much proud of you. Uh, you know, I always have your back and I cannot wait to celebrate this win with you again. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was not so I'm going to give, I'm going to give you a second to collect yourself. Mm-hmm. So for our listeners, that was Bruce Bay who mm-hmm. nominated Sadaf and Charcuterie Vancouver for the award. And both her and I are in tears right now. I was just so special to see your reaction to that. Yeah, that's what are you feeling right now? Rizbe is my best friend and he, he's been um, helping me through it all. It's There's been like days where, um, you know, I lost employees and I didn't have enough help and I would literally just call him and he'd just run to the kitchen and, and help me. So that's a really nice surprise. Thank you. You're welcome. No, I was going to say there's nothing quite like having a business bestie. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I was going to say him and I just have this like really fun and goofy relationship. We're always making fun of each other. So this is very different. <laughs> You're like, oh, you've stopped picking on me and done this amazing thing for me. <laughs> you said something nice to me for once. <laughs> like I said, there's nothing quite like having a business bestie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I'm really grateful to him and really lucky to him to, to have him in my life. He mentioned that you've faced a lot of objections in starting and growing your business. Um, tell us about a story about one of your biggest objections, rejections, or roadblocks that was thrown in your way and how you overcame it. Obviously, the biggest one is COVID-19, you know, just being completely shut down, especially being a business that's fully event-based. Um, you know, the dream was to cater every wedding and anniversary and birthday and engagement party you know, lunch and corporate events and, and for us to hear, you know, okay, there's no more events. Okay. It's only two weeks. That's okay. It's a little break. And then being like, okay, it's going to go on. And, you know, it gets to a point where like, okay, how long is this going to take? Do I have to shut down the business? What do I do? Um, and then, you know, when I got laid off, I really had to be creative and come up with ideas. Otherwise, you know, I was laid off. I had no job and now my business was shut down. I almost, you know, just lost all hope not knowing what to do. You know, you can't just survive off CERB. I had a mortgage and car to pay for every month. Um, so you just really had to fight through. Um, I feel like um, a lot of it, even though I had a lot of help from family and, and friends, I felt like I was doing a lot alone. I didn't have enough help. So that was really hard, especially as it was getting busy during the holidays. I didn't expect it to get as busy as it did get. Um but yeah, those were some huge, I guess, blockers for me. Um, other than that, I, I've been pretty lucky. It's been pretty seamless and gone through well. Obviously, with the store opening, it, it's been really hard because I'm kind of, you know, everywhere at once. You know, in the morning, I was going, you know, to the kitchen to make orders and I'm going to the store to make um, to, you know, work with the contractors, see what, what needs to be changed, the, the paint, this, the sink, all that stuff, getting the licenses going and then working with the media to do interviews, um, ordering supplies, grocery shopping. It was just so much, you know, that I've been through over the last year to, you know, finally have a moment to breathe now, just hiring some people and help. So it's, it's been, it's been a difficult journey. Is it easy for you to ask for help? No, it's really hard. Um, 
yeah, it's really hard for me to ask for help, to be honest. I feel like um, I, I just don't want to bother people. I don't want to bother their lives. And um, I feel like there's a lot of times where I'm like, oh, I could just do this myself. I could just do it myself. I don't have to bother anyone. I don't, you know, even my brothers are more than willing to help me. And there's been so many times where I need them to help me and I just don't ask. Um, but you know, Bruce Bay is one person that I never really hesitate and he just runs, you know, he'll just hop in his car and he'll come help me. Um, so that, that's been nice, but he, he, he was actually laid off for a couple months. So that really helped, <laughs> but now he has a job again. So <laughs> he's like, um, for father's day, I've already booked a vacation. I'm going away. I'm not available. <laughs> <laughs> set the precedence um, yeah. I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a little impromptu experiment here mm-hmm. and I don't know how we're gonna report back on this so I'm gonna leave that one with Darren he's on here listening to the recording right now so I know I'm not great at asking for help I know so many business owners that aren't great at asking for help so if you're listening to this and you are following charcuterie Vancouver and Sadaf's journey if she reached out and asked you for help, what would you say? Would you want her to ask you for help? Go to her social media channel and just post, yes, ask us for help. Or if you're a strategic partner, send her an email and say, yes, ask us for help. I'm just curious to see what this inspires and let's see if it goes anywhere and you can report back to us. <laughs> That's great. Thank you. We'll see where that goes. <laughs> of course. So let's talk about the competition and your win. Why, in your opinion, should a business owner consider entering an awards competition? What are the benefits of taking part both for you as the owner and for your business? I think number one is just uh, raising awareness to your brand. You know, I, I didn't, I always knew entering competitions is just more eyes on your brand, but I didn't realize how big of a deal you know, small business BC awards would be, especially for me, you know, I remember the day I got nominated, I was literally in tears. Um, I found out I got nominated. It was by two people. It was Bruce Bay and actually a former um, coworker at Microsoft. Her name is Kayla. Uh, I haven't talked to her for three years. So I was just, when I found out it was her as well, I was just in tears that someone, you know, that hasn't seen me in three years, even thought about me to nominate me for, for these awards. I was so busy at the time that I didn't even hear much about the small business BC awards or anything like that, but um, it's helped me so much and it's absolutely changed my life, especially after uh, I won the award. It really aligned with my uh, store opening announcement. It was the same week and um, you know, all the, yeah, it was just such a coincidence. All the, media that I got was because mainly because of the award, like um, every single one, Global BC, uh, CBC, all the articles, they literally start by saying award winning business, uh, you know, best immigrant entrepreneur for small business BC. Um, That's really raised awareness for our brand. And we've gotten so many more clients from that. I have so many clients call me daily and being like, Oh, I saw you on global news, saw you on CBC. You know, I heard you on the radio um, and that honestly came all from the word of Small Business BC. So that was something that I did not project in 2021. Um, I didn't project how much it's going to increase our sales as well. 
So if you want more sales and you want brand awareness for your business, I mean, who doesn't? You should definitely mm-hmm. enter an awards show and especially a small business BC, get someone to nominate your business, um, you know, your friend, your colleague, your whatever it is, your partner, just, you know, you never know what's going to happen. I had no mm-hmm. clue that I was going to win, even get to top five. So it's been life-changing for sure. So a little known fact that even I found out this year as um, a nom- as someone who was nominated for my business for the Innovation Award is, and I've, in the past, I've judged for Small Business BC Awards. I've been to so many of the galas. The Small Business BC Awards is Western Canada's largest small business awards competition. That's huge. Mm -hmm. So the reach of this is province-wide, and I know it goes beyond borders with social media. And I know that myself, our company got international exposure with that nomination. Mm -hmm. So it's a pretty, it can be pretty overwhelming at times. Sometimes you're like, whoa, there's a lot to do in this and it's a lot of work and it takes up a lot of time, but the ROI on it is so phenomenal. And quite often our friends throw us right in the middle of it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. When I, like, I remember at the beginning when they're like, oh, you have to fill this out and then you have to do a pitch. I'm like, I don't have time for this, (laughs) but you know, like, look where that got me now. You know, if I could go back, I would yeah. do that 10 times over if I knew this is where it would take me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've and I've heard it time and time again throughout these interviews with our winners is I didn't realize how much I would get from this. And so what we have all learned is that awards is a very viable, very ROI event or marketing tactic for your business. And so many people don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, I highly recommend it. No matter what, whether it's Small Business BC Award or like a local award competition in your city or your town or whatever it is, enter it. You never know what's going to happen. And it spans, you know, there's so many different categories. There's categories in specific industries like food and beverage and in um, women entrepreneurs. And so, so looking for those little niches where you can nominate yourself, um, and just figuring out which ones are going to get you in front of your ideal audiences, I think is one of the most important points strategically as you're choosing them. Um, and if you're going to make those a part of your marketing plan, make sure you look at it strategically. What tips and advice can you offer our listeners for how to engage your community in the first round of voting? Uh, engaging your community for me I mean what I did was I literally took a photo of myself I put all the nomination stickers under my photo and I posted on Instagram I posted on stories almost daily uh, just asking everyone I you know texted my friends my old uh, managers uh, colleagues um, you know family and everyone and I just asked them to vote for me um, and then for my followers I just followed up with them um and my friends as well like my brothers didn't vote for me I think until like the week before (laughs) just following up making sure your family does it first because they'll be like oh yeah of course I'm gonna do it and then you know they're the ones that forget because they're just thinking obviously I'm gonna vote um yeah so I think I mean I was lucky that we have a really big social media um 
already like right now i think we're at like twenty three thousand followers so you know when we post a story there's thousands of people viewing that and even a 10 percent of the people that see that and they're like okay wow i'm gonna read that and vote for her um that that makes such a big difference and just being consistent and always posting about it um really helped us get to the final five follow up follow up follow up and for family follow up yet again yes <laughs> what about the pitch Tips and advice for presenting a good pitch. Mm-hmm. So the pitch for me, I built a PowerPoint presentation for kind of everything that we've done over the last couple of years, including our financial reports, um, our Instagram uh, social media presence, some of our photos, uh, our plans going forward. Um, at the time, I still hadn't bought the store yet. So, you know, I was like, this is what the plan is. This is what it's going to look like. This is what we've done over the last two years. This is what we've done with numbers. This is, you know, how much we've made. And this is how much we're forecasting to make next year. So just really being strategic and really organized and making sure you have that. I think in any business, you should really have your numbers and financials all together so that when you're given an opportunity like this, you're very organized and have everything to present. Um, I think the number one thing I would suggest for a presentation like that is to not rehearse too much, you know, and then you're just going to be looking up and just trying to memorize what you were going to say. Instead, for a business owner, you know your business inside out. So you should just be able to casually speak about it like you're speaking to a friend or an investor. Um, so don't rehearse too much. Uh, just be authentic and just be yourself. That's fantastic advice. Mm-hmm. And that ties right into marketing. Mm-hmm. So let's talk marketing exposure because it's very quickly become obvious to me that one, you really enjoy it. And two, you're quite brilliant at it. So Share a little bit about what channels you use and a tip for, say, the two top channels. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main channels we use, I guess, is our website, Google, and Instagram. Those are the three. I don't use Facebook um, personally, so it's not you know, something I advertise on. We have a Facebook page that just automatically gets posted every time we post something to Instagram. Uh, but I would still recommend, like, if I could like give advice to myself starting is also make a Facebook page because there's a complete different um, audience on there that you want to market to as well. Uh, You know, Instagram is right now for the hip and the young. Um, And then, you know, people like my mom are on Facebook and depending on what your product is, you also want to target them as well. Um, But with Instagram, you have to be aesthetic. Like your whole grid has to be very aesthetically pleasing. People love that. It's kind of like a magazine and a blog people go to your page they want to see nice pretty photos that's what's going to keep them scrolling and wanting to click that follow button um be engaging don't just post things about your product and have a caption about when this is going to launch and how much it's going to be ask questions in your captions be more engaging do little mini giveaways have a conversation you're like hey like something i do is i'll post a picture of a board and i'll be like what would you dig into first? You know, now you have your um, audience in- engaging and everyone's like, I'm going to go for the dip or the cheese or the meat or whatever it is. You know, if you didn't have that caption, they would have just scrolled through and probably not even liked your post. And now they're liking it and commenting on it. Increases your engagement and makes your customers happy as well. 
make sure you post stories at least five times a day. Stories is so, so important for Instagram, especially with their algorithm. What happens with Instagram's algorithm is when you post a story and you get lots of story replies, Instagram starts sharing that story to more of your followers. You know, so when you have like 24,000 followers, um, you have about, for us, it's about 25% viewers on our stories. So you get about five, 6,000 viewers. But sometimes it'll go to like 1,000 or 2,000 if it's just boring stories. But if it's engaging, it could literally increase to like 10,000 uh, story views. And I only see that when I have, when I'm talking or I share something personal, which is really weird. Like yesterday I shared a video of me putting up frames in my living room in my apartment. And that had one of the highest engagements um, ever. And so what happens is, you know, I'm posting about my frames in my living room. Everyone's like, oh, that's cool. How did you do that? I don't use nails. I use these sticky things. And everyone was curious. And then the next thing you know, and then I'm posting charcuterie on my stories and then Instagram sees, okay, you had a hundred replies for that one. So I'm just going to show the rest of them to like 3000 more people. So you can imagine mm-hmm. what happens when 3000 more people see your product. So that is absolute marketing gold. I'm going to encourage our listeners to put a pin in this and go back to this section and take notes. One of the things I want to pull out, which I think is really important is I often get business owners coming to me and saying, we need to be on social media. And my first question back to them is, is your audience on social media? And quite often there's, there's, there's just crickets as an answer. And so the importance before diving into, because there's so much pressure to be on social and on every channel and there's Snapchat and there's this, and there was Vine for a while. And, you know, we could just go through the list of channels that have existed and the ones that have survived. But understanding where your audience hangs out, where they spend their time scrolling is absolutely critical. And I love that you identified Instagram has been phenomenal from you for from a visual perspective and you knew part of your audience was there. It was also an easy access platform for you because you used it, but you also recognize that there's a different demographic for you who has money, who will buy on Facebook. And so figuring those out as you go. And I know I would recommend, and I'm curious if you would recommend getting good at one channel first. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I would definitely recommend getting good at one channel first. Um, I mean, for me, that's Instagram for another business that can be Google. I know one of my best friends, he has an HVAC company and like he doesn't use Instagram or Facebook. Like he just relies on Google and, you know, getting those five star reviews from every single client, making sure he uses all those fancy words so that he's at the top when someone searches him on Google. I think that's also very important. Um, I'm lucky with my name, Charcuterie Vancouver, that if anybody searches it, no matter where they are in the world, we're the first one that pops up. So I honestly don't have to do too much uh, with that. Like if you just go search Charcuterie Vancouver, first thing comes up is our website and our Google page and then all of our articles that we've, that we've been featured on. Um, so I, I don't have much advice on SEO there. Um, unless you want to have a, no, that is the advice on SEO. <laughs> I bet you, I wonder how many business owners right now are wondering, can I get the.com for branding Vancouver or mm-hmm. 
sweatshirts Vancouver or donuts Vancouver. Yes. <laughs> you it's, know, it, when I, I mean, the idea for this was back when I was an event manager, when I used to search, you know, these things, platters or cupcakes or cookies, this is what I used to search. This is what people search on Google. This is, okay, I need cupcakes. Okay, well, I'm going to search cupcakes in Vancouver because I don't want a random page to come up. And so when someone needs charcuterie, that's what they're going to search, especially like I get a lot of clients all over the world that send gifts to their, you know, parents, kids, uh, cousins, you know, like we have orders from friends like every other day. And these people, all they do is they go on Google. They're not going to go on Instagram and search for me. They're going to go on Google and they're going to search charcuterie Vancouver. I mean, you know, a lot of businesses are already have their names. So I wouldn't say, you know, go change your name to, you know, events Vancouver, but, uh, have that in your website somewhere, you know, say like if I wasn't called Charcuterie Vancouver, I would make sure to repeat that on my website a million times so that when someone searches that on Google, I'm going to come up. So that's really important. Absolutely. Speaking of marketing, tell mm-hmm. us exactly where in kits to find your store. <laughs> so our store right now is on West 4th and McDonald. So 2766 West 4th Avenue in Kitsilano is where you can find us. Perfect. So given that part of my why for doing what I do in business is to help small businesses grow and succeed, I'd like to give you 15 to 20 seconds to convince everyone to try Charcuterie Vancouver. I think you've done a good job of it so far, but now I just want to hear you pitch. So how about <laughs> it? Thank you. Wow, this is not something I uh, rehearsed for, but I would say Charcuterie Vancouver really elevates your uh, eating game and your uh, events. It really takes it to the next level. You'll have the most beautiful spreads that if anyone looks at it, they're just going to, their jaws are going to drop. You're going to have different tastes, different cheeses, the most premium cheeses, meats, fruit, nuts, dips, olives, uh, pickles, everything that you can think of is all in one board that you can just take and dig into right away. Perfect. And what is the one thing that you suggest people to request on your boards that they go, really, I should try that, but is a crowd favorite? What should they have? I mean, typically right now when people order a board from us, it's just pre-made from what we have. Uh, But to be honest, right now, the biggest thing I would say is to request some vegan cheeses. They have completely changed today. Like I used to hate vegan cheeses, to be honest, but now some of them taste better than real cheese. There's a company called Spreadum, and they're actually based locally from Vancouver. They've become such a big company now, and they just make these delicious cheeses um, that are made from um, nuts, cashews, and things like that. And I'm a huge cheese lover, but sometimes I just want to eat those. So I would definitely suggest adding some vegan cheeses to your boards really changes it up. Um, and other than that, I mean, we pretty much include everything for you, but if you're doing a board, I would say baked brie is a good add on. That's what we're offering right now. So that's just absolutely mouthwatering. I was just going to say, I'm really hungry now. so on that note i'm gonna wrap and i do want to thank you for taking the time to record this interview with us today for sharing your story all your valuable brilliant marketing tips i also want to thank you for getting vulnerable you've been not surprising so authentic 
and transparent about your business and just sharing so much with our listeners. So from all of us here at Small Business BC and Big Bold Brand, you're wishing we're wishing you so much success with your business and your new store and kits future forward. And I can't wait to hear when you're throwing that big ass party to celebrate your retail store, your win this year, making it through COVID. So promise me you'll keep us all posted. Yes, absolutely. And maybe we'll even send you an invite your way. Thank you so much, Carly, for for having me on the show. It's been absolutely amazing chatting with you. And I can't wait to um, see you at that party. (laughs) Wasn't that an absolutely fantastic interview? I know that I found Sadaf's laughter absolutely infectious. So here we are again, folks, with our top takeaways segment. The purpose of this segment is to put the stories and inspiration you just heard into action by highlighting some of the brilliance that stood out and providing some actionable takeaways for you to consider putting into action in your business. Made Possible's producer, Darren Dunn, is my co-host for this segment each week. And what's cool is that he brings a second and unique perspective as one of his roles at Small Business BC is the content coordinator. Every day, he's immersed in the stories and learnings of small business owners. Hey, Darren. Hey, Carly. It's a pleasure as always. I love having you on this segment with me. All right. Shall we dig in for this week? What are your thoughts about providing the first takeaway? I would absolutely love to. And uh, thank you for the intro. So something that stood out to me in the interview was the topic of one's career path. You know, it's something that we all struggle with. We all think about, you know, and Sadaf's father gave her a very powerful and impactful piece of advice. He said, and I quote, follow your dreams, follow your passions and do what you want. Now, imagine one of your parents saying that to you. That's so empowering. It's just it's freeing. And Sadaf's career path wasn't a straight shot. Her path was about finding something that she was passionate about. She took nursing in university, but she dropped out because, you know, ultimately it wasn't what she wanted to do with her life. It's something that a lot of us figure out in university. One of the pieces of advice is that we only get one shot in life. And if you're stuck in a rut, maybe you're working a job you don't like and you're thinking of starting your own business. Why not take the advice of Sadaf's dad and follow your dreams? You know, years from now, you don't want to be stuck with that nagging feeling of potential unfulfilled, dreams unfollowed. And it doesn't need to be something huge immediately. You know, start small, build from humble beginnings, but don't leave yourself wondering at the end of the day, what if? I absolutely agree with start small. Often when people are like, go do your own thing, they're not saying abandon ship, burn it down and let it float off onto the horizon. Um... So many people I know started their small business as a side hustle. And one of my early business mentors used to tell me, dig your well before you need to drink from it. And that was probably one of the wisest pieces of business advice. Well, life advice, but really we're talking about business, but small business advice that I ever received. What my mentor was saying was make sure that you build the foundational aspects of your business first so that you know they're going to be there when you need to draw on them when they're really needed. They can be things like a list of advisors that you trust and you can turn to when you're stuck, a network that you can rely on to provide you new business, new prospects, and referrals, or even just a savings account or a line of credit that you know is there if you have a short or dry month. Sadaf is a great example because she did just that. She started small with her business and 
As I mentioned earlier, it was a side hustle to her day job at Microsoft. She started by advertising her charcuterie boards on Instagram. I was like the only channel, the only place that you could find her. And she didn't expand until she was able to prove market demand. And since we're talking Instagram, Darren, I think you had a takeaway about social media, something that you're more of an expert on than me. I mean, if you if you consider being an expert on it that I spend way too much time on there, then yeah, I think you're absolutely <laughs> correct. <laughs> but you know, one of the one of the things I have learned from all the time I spend on there is if you want to be successful with marketing on social media, you have to get granular. You have to do your homework. And Sadaf did that, and she demonstrated it by breaking down in detail her strategy for social media, how she had learned to like insert herself her own personality into the mix because it aligned with her brand. The results were really clear and it was more engagement, more leads and more followers. I loved how she explained the need for a different strategy on the different platforms. Like for in, with Instagram, for example, you need an aesthetic. It's not just enough to pump out photos without thinking about it. And when it came to Facebook, she had, she acknowledged that how it allowed her to reach a different and older target demographic, because honestly, at the end of the day, who who are the people who are on Facebook? It's your your granny, your gran your grandfather. It's not exactly the youth. So hey, watch it. So, apologies. <laughs> so circling back to the main takeaway, you know, put care and thought into your social strategy, and you will see the result the results. I want to pull on something you said that's really important in business today. So many business owners come to me because they're struggling with differentiating their business. Sadaf found out a big differentiator almost by accident when she chose to get personal and honest about the state of her business one day. She shared with us that Charcuterie Vancouver's sales and engagement on Instagram took off when she chose to tell her story on one of her not one of her best days. She was having a crappy day and she recorded a video and she was honest with her audience and she let them behind the curtain. She let them really see what's going on for her. So my top takeaway is trust that a core differentiator is you, the founder or founders of your business. It's also one that you don't have to spend money on figuring out with a strategist like me. The days of the things going on behind the curtain and what, you know, separating the two, like we do this thing back in the, in the magic room and then we put it out to the world. Those days are gone. People expect transparency from your business and really they want to know who they're buying from and what your story is. The great thing is that there is only one you. If you're willing to be vulnerable and share parts, maybe not all, if you're not comfortable, that's cool, but parts of who you are, what you believe, and what matters to you, it's an easy and authentic way to differentiate your business from the competition. I couldn't agree more with that. And what stood out was I really appreciated how quickly Sadaf sees the opportunity of including authentic storytelling in her marketing. And once she saw the results it was driving for her business, she knew she was onto a winner. Carly, You've set up the perfect segue for me there. So my next takeaway is about seizing opportunity when your gut says yes, even when you're not exactly sure where that opportunity will lead you. I'm referring to the story that Sadaf shared about being asked to support a nonprofit by donating some of her charcuterie boards for their event. Being raised in a culture of giving back and giving to community, she simply said, yeah, of course I'll do that because the event was for a good cause. 
What she got in return for her goodwill and community support was visibility for Charcuterie Vancouver's amazing products in front of a whole room full of her ideal clients. I've witnessed this time and time again in both my own business and with our clients. When you seize an unexpected opportunity, so often good things come of it. And those good things might not come right away. I've spoken at events where someone messages me two years later and says, hey, I saw you spoke at this event, or you've donated to something, or you've you've done something that your gut said yes to, just like you said, Darren. And sometimes they're just not predictable. You can't, you can't draw a straight line to how is this going to benefit me? So the benefits also might be different than you expect, but I find that that's one of the f- most fun and amazing parts of seizing those opportunities. It's kind of like a Christmas present. You don't quite know what's in the box, but 99% of the time, it's pretty darn cool. So, all right, folks, that's it for another episode of Made Possible. We want this podcast to reach as many entrepreneurs and small business owners as possible, and you can help make that possible by rating this podcast and posting a review. It helps us get found. We'd love to hear what you think and to help us reach people far and wide. So thanks for your support and listening in. Until next time, 